0: Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, starting at verse 36. Luke 24, starting at verse 36. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. In some of your versions, it says a ghost. And they said to them, "'Why are you troubled, and why do your doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have.' And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet, and while they still believed, disbelieved for joy, they were marveling. He said to them, "'Have you anything here to eat?' And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I have spoken to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of prophets, the law of Moses and the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ, that the Christ should suffer, and on the third day raised from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name and to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your, for your word today, and Lord, as we look into it and as we Look at the things of what you want to say to us. Lord, let our ears hear, let our eyes see what your Spirit is saying to the church. Lord, we desire to to not leave here the same way in which we came, but we desire to know you more and have our hearts be entwined with yours in doing and seeing the kingdom of God be established. Lord, we just ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. The title of my message is um, "Believing in Ghosts." How many would ever thought that a pastor would preach on believing in ghosts? Okay, many of you are th- don't want to raise your hands because you don't want to be singled out, but that's okay. I never thought I would ever ever preach on this either but um, i um, I ran into a uh, 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 Ipso Read poll that was done in December of 2007, and this Ipso Read poll conducted on the behalf of Canwest News Service, Global Television, um, finds out that while two-thirds of Canadians indicate they believe in angels, and half, 48% of the nation, say they believe in spirits and Ghosts. 1 in 10, that's 10% of Canadians, believe that there is a spirit or ghost actually living in their house or residence. To put it in perspective, that's 2.5 million Canadians who believe that when something goes bump in the night, it's more than the mice of Ratatouille. Most, those most likely to believe in angels... 66% are women, 75% compared uh, to men, 56%. But there doesn't appear to be much difference when it comes to age. Middle-aged individuals, age 35 to 54, 68% are just as likely or to believe than older or younger Canadians. And regionally, there are some who believe more than others. Here's the ranked of order. Saskatchewan and Manitoba are the leaders in this, and <laughs> they, 77% believe in angels, okay, and or ghosts. Uh, you know, things get a little spookier. Half of Canadians indicate that they believe in spirits and ghosts. This is more likely to be the case with women, 53%, than with men, and with the younger, 54 So. I guess what i'm I'm trying to say is that in the in a culture where there is an attack on religion and on the supernatural and things, it's a little bit more uh, believable than you would than what people care to admit okay what I'm trying to say is that the in the in a cognizant world, we are, there are people around you, almost half of Canadians, will believe in angels and ghosts. Now, what does this really have to do with my sermon? I'm just spewing out information at this point. Um, I guess what I'm wanting to, wanting to say to that is that there is a when we we come to this area of a secular society where we poo-poo and we keep things on a very literal and scientific way, there is still the area of what we can explain as still being something that people are in tune or think about. That's my whole point, is I just want to... I just want to level the playing field and just kind of say when we talk about the supernatural we're talking about things that we cannot explain there is a there is a paradigm for that okay now what is the why why is that such an important understanding is that when we realize that there is a a, a place for that then when we are talking or we are commissioned or we as Christians are given the, the mandate by God to be witnesses of the resurrection. We're not just going into a world that is totally shut everything down and doesn't understand, because they do. Um, I guess... When we, we come to the, to the road of this particular scripture passage, it's interesting that the word ghost is used a couple of times. Now, here we have the disciples have already experienced the empty tomb, and they are beginning to suspect that something has happened, but they're hiding out in a room and they're still afraid. Many Christians are exactly in the same place. You see, the question is is not just, do you believe in the resurrection? That's an important question, but it isn't the end. Believing the resurrection happened certainly makes you a Christian by what you confess, but it doesn't make you a person who has the power to change your own world. The real question is, does the resurrection change me? Because some of the disciples had already seen the resurrected Jesus, but they were still afraid. They were still intimidated by the world around them. And I find today that a lot of Christians, in one aspect run life only as what comes and goes. It's kind of, it's not apathetic, but it's not really out there going for it. It just, you know, what you see is what you get. This is me. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Then there are those that are going for it. And then there are those that are sitting back and they are afraid of what will happen if they step out. You have three different types of people, and you could say that, hey, if they're Christians, they believe in the resurrection, which group is, in fact, being changed by the resurrection? Well, I guess I would assume the the go-for-it people. They're out going and getting it done. But how do you get it done? How do you make that happen? How do you allow the resurrection to change us? I find, I like what, what Bill Johnson says. He says, fear is the guard dog that is protecting the fortress of spiritual prosperity. When the dog starts barking, we know that the treasure is guard, the treasure that he is guarding is near. I guess I want to say is is the guard dog barking in your life? Is that fear gripping you? It's causing you to be like the disciples and when the resurrection or the the simple facts of who Jesus is and what he has done doesn't do anything for you. It's become commonplace. But that fear of what's barking becomes even more real. Then it's something that we have to adjust our attention. All Jesus was doing was adjusting their attention, not to fear the unknown, but to understand what it now represents. Now, uh, have you ever been frightened by something good? I have. Uh, You have to understand me is I don't take surprises very well. So my wife and kids decided they would surprise me for my birthday. And my wife says, we're going to take you for breakfast at Grainfields. Now, I go to Grainfields. I don't mind Grainfields, but it's not my pick of the litter for breakfast. <laughs> now, if you're listening, you like Grainfields, that's fine, awesome. I'm not trying to dish Grainfields, but It was already—it was already a question in my mind. Why are we going to (laughs) Grainfields? And it wouldn't be my wife's favorite. She doesn't like McDonald's. She don't like Grainfields. And so, you know, it's still a a question. Question comes to mind. So we sat down, and we were going to have breakfast. And in walks—and I've told you about him—Ken Bombay. Now, he is supposed to be, in my mind, in Ontario, but he walked into this restaurant all of a sudden, sat down, he ordered, and I could not eat. I just sat there stunned. And his words to me is, now he calls me an adopted son, so he said, son, you look like you've seen a ghost. Now, you have to understand that there are also good things that come about, and they bring in that shocking nature of life. And, you know, here we have Jesus appears before them and offers a word of peace because they are terrified of the good news. The peace of Christ always precedes true courage. The peace of Christ always precedes true courage. Now I, I want to say something here, and that is God understands when that big dog is barking. And a lot of times we are looking for the tranquilness of peace, but it's also it's it's not just a tranquilness, it is a trust. That things are being looked after. In order for us to receive his peace, we have to walk in a trust that he is looking after it all. So often we are searching for a feeling, but we are not searching for a person And if we want to walk in the resurrected life that he's called us to walk, we have to search for the right thing. Not for, just a, fee- not for a feeling, but for a person who, in fact, it says, and Paul talked about it, that he, the, the peace that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. That literally means in the Greek that it is a sentinel or a guard that's walking and literally holding a weapon or so forth on the, on the perimeter of a, of, a, of a castle wall or a fortress wall. That's what peace does. Peace is not just a feeling, it's a weapon. It is a trust, it is an understanding of who Christ is. You can't have full peace without Jesus. The world seeks for peace, wants peace, threatens peace. The only thing that we can do is when bombs are dropped on Syria, we have a president says, we're going to blow you up because you just bombed your own people. That's not peace. Thank you. I knew you'd get... (laughs) I want to understand what peace is about, okay? I'm not trying to criticize. I'm just trying to let you know that the peace that the world seeks is an absence of conflict. And we think that an absence of conflict is having a bigger stick than your enemy or a bigger gun or the threat of violence. And I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm not... I'm not wanting to go down this road. I'm wanting us to take a big perspective of understanding that the peace that the world is promising and wanting to give is not what Jesus gives. He's not trying to say, well, I've got a bigger stick. Because all he has to do is just say the word and that fear is gone. It's not a matter of whether the devil and him are fighting it out. He could Wipe it out in an instant. The issue is, is when we would in fact trust him in his character and of who he is that we can receive the peace that we are so wanting in our lives. You want peace for your financial freedom? Well, don't look to Scotia Bank. Freedom fifty five hasn't happened for me, and I turn fifty five, waiting for freedom. <laughs> Didn't happen. It's coming. It's coming. But the fact is, is that it's Jesus, in and of Himself, who in fact allows us to live in the place where, in the natural, it doesn't make sense. Now, me and my granddaughter, we um, wear the same color. Uh, We didn't try to coordinate, but um, we just think alike. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, you might not feel very brave, but you will after you encounter the resurrected Jesus. Remember, Jesus insists he's not just a spirit. He's not an illusion. He can walk through walls because Not because he's a ghost. He walks through walls because he's more real than the walls are. Galatians chapter 4, verse 3 says, Humans were enslaved to the basic principles of this world, meaning, if I try to walk through a closed door, I will hit my head, and in many other things. The material world is real. Wooden doors, steel doors are solid. Water is wet. What's the big deal? Except Jesus walks through doors, and it's only natural to think that he's just a ghost. It's at this time that Jesus then goes about to come down to our level and say, Hey, look at my hands. Look at my side. I am real. Give me something to eat. Fish. Has anybody had any fish? Do you like fish? We have a lot of fishermen that like fish. I remember in Romania, uh, their basic fish is carp. But they spell it C-R-A-P. Okay, no joke. And they say, crap. Would you like crap? <laughs> now, I walked along the streets of this town on, on, a, on, a, on a, uh, a discovery mission, um, and I came to this sandwich board and sign, and it said, extra crap. Makes me want to eat fish. Then they served it to us, and it wasn't warm, it was cold. And it wasn't filleted nicely, it just had its scales removed, and the head was still there. And the eyes were looking at you. Uh, the eyes were black. They were wet and looking at me. And I was expected to eat the whole thing. I ate a lot of it, but I left the head. But you see, this is why the text takes such a strong detour to talk about what Jesus ate. The Christian life is full of food. Even though Jesus' first resurrection meal is something as maybe as disgusting as boiled fish, he can actually eat it. He's as real as they are. Sometimes the only way to be real to the world is to sit down and eat with them, be with them, understand them. (laughs) You know, I, I lived in a day and age where my mother, bless her heart, kept me away from anyone that was literally outside of the church. I, I literally was in a, it was a a bit of a a guilt trip, okay? Uh, friends I would have to, I'd screened my own friends back then. <laughs> I wanted to make sure that they don't smoke and chew and drink and all that stuff. So that well, at least that would be okay. But when I brought them home to kind of hang out, you know, I would get this little bit of this guilt trip. You shouldn't really be hanging out with them. shouldn't really be hanging out with them. Well, as the story goes on, I mean, in junior high, I got kind of tired of living in that kind of protected bubble. And so I just... And my mom used to always tell me, Kendall, when they teach dance at school, tell me and I will write you a note... So you don't have to do that. I don't know about you, but in my mind is, why would I get you to do that? That would put me off in the corner, and I will get made fun of. Hello. So when it came to dance lessons in gym class, I didn't tell her. Okay? I didn't tell her because I wanted to learn. So we learned disco cuz back then disco was hot. <laughs> Jive, you know, waltzing, we did, you know, the you know the hustle, do the hustle. Do 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 do, do, do you know. Okay. But I, you know, I kind of like disco. So after the after the teaching, after all this this gym class, they had this dance contest put on at the school. Now, the best part about it was, it was in the afternoon. So I could stay at school, and I didn't need to tell my mother that I was going at night ap- like, I couldn't tell her I'm going to a dance, right? <laughs> so I went to the dance in the afternoon, and um, little did she know that I had been practicing with, you know, this, uh, th- this girl, and we... Anyway... <laughs> Don't let your minds go. Anyway, we were, we were just dancing, and we entered the disco part. And I want to let you know is I'm a disco king. Okay. I've got... I've won the disco king. I'm not going to prove it right here.
1: John DeRolte. Yeah. John Okay. No.
0: <laughs> okay, this this sermon is breaking down. The sad part about this story, and I have to end it with this, is the winner got two tickets to triumph. That's a Canadian band in the li- likes of... Um, no, about... St- Heart, uh, kind of a hard metal. Back then, as a junior high, there was no thought, like, even though there would be, like, I, I, I cringe now. We would never do it today. You'd never get two tickets to a hard rock concert where there would be drugs and stuff. But that's, in junior high, I won two tickets. But then I have the problem with my mom. Okay. What do I do with those two tickets? I had to give them away. It later came out that I won the disco competition to my mother. <laughs> and, you know, I have to say that it was uh, quite a revelation to all my friends that the Christian dude could win the disco competition. Well, it's just funny because a lot of the people that, hung up that were wanting to win this went to dance lessons and tried to do the one, two, and all that stuff. It just came naturally for me. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just, I, it's maybe my Pentecostal roots. Okay, now that I've diverted all of your attention off, the point is, is that a lot of times we can miss out on really influencing the people that are around us in our world if we don't understand who we are what we have and that it does reign it it over overrules what we are facing in society you have to be careful today religion will want to focus and put you down and say and guard you from the evil one and i understand that it says in the bible to resist him resist him and he will flee not protect yourself hide yourself because it only creates the dichotomy of that being stronger than what you and I have as Christians. The resurrection is the ultimate power play. Jesus came back to life in three days. You can't play around with that. If it is there, if it's for you and for me, then therefore what has happened and it it affects our lives means it changes everything in our world. Going on, it says that Jesus claims in verses uh, 44 to 49, he said, These are my words that I have spoken to you while I was with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. And he said to him, Thus it is written, that Christ should suffer and on the third day raise from the dead and repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations. I guess what I wanted to say is this. Is it, It's one thing that Jesus would say, put your hand, put your fingers in my, in my hands, your fist in my side, and then come and eat fish. All proves that he was a resurrected body. But the part here that makes the change and the switch is that he in fact gives that, that commission to you and to me. It says, here, here's the change. Here's the difference. That what he did will affect them. That just being witnesses of the resurrection just wasn't enough. They were going to change the world. I like changing the world. I found out my why is transformation. I want to see the world changed. So if you're any bit part of this church, you will, you will need to groove into the transformation push, because that's where we're going. You know, but then goes, well, I don't feel very powerful in my life. You have to remember, it, it takes nothing to be a witness. You just have to stand there and look, really look at what God is showing you. My sister said last week, she said, living a life of mission means giving God the life you have. I don't know about you, but the life that my sister had doesn't seem like like it was very exciting. It looked very harsh and dim and very burden-like, but God has redeemed it. And he desires to do that with you. For many of us here in this room, for us to be a witness is one thing. It'd be nice, high in the pie sky, but God wants us to take the life we have right now and to walk into mission with him. So I, for one... Don't think that just what you do is just your source of income. It's your calling. In this day and age, our, our employment sometimes, they say, will change two or three or four times in a lifetime. And what happens is, that could give if, if everything about you is about what you do, then you're going to be schizophrenic about three or four times in your life. Because if we wrap up identity in the fact of what I do, when that doing is done, where do we go from there? Jesus decides and desires that you are more than just what you do, it's who you are, and more importantly, how he's empowered that. If you're waiting to be prepared before you'll be obedient, you'll never be faithful to your calling. If you're waiting to be prepared before you'll be obedient, you'll never be faithful to your calling. But what does that mean? It means to be clothed with power from on high. What is Jesus trying to say there? It means that God just didn't give the witness of the resurrection. He, he took it a step forward and he said, I'm going to go, but I'm sending the Holy Spirit to empower you. It would, the fact is, is that it's not just a belief. He desires to infill, to give the church fullness, to give you and me his fullness in what we do each and every day. Now, here's a little story, kind of a bigger story. But I, was, I grew up in a, in a denomination of, you know, the, the importance of being baptized in the Spirit. And um, I was nine when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. A man in his 50s prayed for me. And he, you know, he, he thought it was really important that I speak in tongues the evidence of the Holy Spirit being upon me. And so he said, "Uh, just repeat after me. Sha-la-la-la-ba-la, whatever. And I did that. Okay? Now, I went through years of living life. I told you about my dancing days. (laughs) You know, I, I went through a... I went through Bible school. Um, you know, I really wanted to be used of God. But there was this longing and thing in my heart that said, I just, I, I want to sense the fullness of God's power in my life. Um, some years back, it's, the, uh, it's during the same time as the crap story, I went on a missions trip. It was my first missions from this church overseas to Romania, and uh, I left. As those that were here, I I left. It was by myself, and I prayed, God, I just want you to use me, and I just want to step out into something I've never done before. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna take a step. To do something I never done, because I want, I want it all. Well, we were in Romania, and um, we were paired up with, with, there was a number of pastors. We were visiting different churches. And on Sundays, we, uh, we, were, we visited different churches, and so we were going to, the two of us in this one particular setting, I was with a Scottish fellow, his name was Hamish Hamish. Hamish McGregor, Hamish McGregor, and, um, and uh, he's from, you know, Scotland, and uh, he just, he was full of the Holy Spirit, and so on our drive, the pastor didn't speak much English, but on the drive, you know, he was asking us what we felt our heart, what we wanted to do, and I just told him, because I was sitting in the front seat, and um, if you're in Romania, and you sit in the front seat, you pray, Because you just do, but I would. I said, you know what? I just want to pray for the sick after we preach. And my Scottish brother said, yes, Amen. I want that too. So we were going to pray for the sick. So we both preached, and at the end, we began to we called people forward and started to pray for them, and um, it was it was mind blowing. Uh, we just started praying for people, and people started getting healed, left, right, and center. One lady had a, a growth uh, on her breast, and uh, we prayed, and uh, it was gone. Sciatica was gone, and people started getting healed. And, and there were people that were leaving the service and coming back with more people. Uh, it just... It just kept going and going and going and going. And our host was starting to get nervous because they had to take us to the pastor's home to get fed because we were going to go to that church's church plant in the evening. And so it was important that we do this. And, and um, it was really interesting because you knew what was taking place in the room. God was moving. But there was also this sense, There was back in Romania, there are gypsies. Okay? And they dress very uh, loud colors, all that. And uh, so they were really into this. They wanted to uh, have us pray for them. So we were praying for them and we were seeing God here. And so it just kept going longer and longer and longer. And finally, our host had to take us out the side of the church because we couldn't go forward. It was just packed. Okay? We had to slip out the side of the room and. He put us into cars, and we went down Romanian roads. Now, a town to them is like the size of Yorkton, um, Moose Jaw. Even Prince Albert is really a town. Uh, so, And there was no sidewalks, big ditches on either side of the road, and just pavement. So here he is going 100 kilometers an hour down real streets, and the gypsies were following us. <laughs> but these gypsies were in, Beamer, in BMWs, and nice cars. And so our host is giving her, and they're following right in behind us. I felt like I now know what Princess Diana felt when there were Pavarazzis trying to chase them that's what it felt like we got to our host we were able to sit down and still they came to the door wanting us to pray we prayed for them again and it was just this overwhelming sense of god just b- blessing our lives we finally then we went to the church plant we did a service there and we were praying for the sick we prayed for heart conditions we prayed for relation like it just we got to our finally our evening where we got together to to talk about what took place. And our fellow ministers said, well, we get kept being told by the people that there's this revival taking place of two NLI guys. So they were hearing it from where they were all around that, that area. And so there were people being, coming over to where we were. It just, it literally blew up the whole, the whole time. Now, why do I tell you that? Is that you won't know till you go. You won't know what the Holy Spirit can do in and through you till you're willing to step out by faith and say, I will go where I normally won't go. I will take a step out of my comfort zone. I'll take a step out and say, God, what I do, I do for you. I don't do for me, I do for you. And Lord, you have to make up the difference. And so I'm not saying that next missions trip, you should go and say, God, use me. That's wonderful. But you can do it right here in Saskatchewan. You can do it at your job. You can do it in what you've been called to do. You just have to do it in the sense that God has enabled you to do it and go some and do things that you wouldn't do to get a different result. To say, God, I want you to be glorified. So, when you see Jesus... You're not seeing a ghost, but you are in fact seeing the real living person, and his life changes everything. Even though Jesus isn't a ghost, he leaves you with one the Holy Ghost. Jesus wants to clothe you with power so you can be a witness to the resurrection in your world. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit isn't about copying someone else's prayer language of tongues. It's about being courageous enough to give your life to the mission of Jesus. Bill Johnson says, He lives within me for me. But he's upon me for others. The, Bill Johnson also says this the promise of the Father, the coming of the Holy Spirit, introduces us to the original purpose for humanity, a people suited. To carry the fullness of God on earth. You and I have been suited with the fullness of God. With the coming of the Holy Spirit. That's in essence what it was all about. It was, it was a divine order where God in his, in his divine order through Adam, promises that there would be a seed of a woman that would stomp on the serpent's head in the form of Jesus Christ, who in fact gave of his life, forgave, allowed forgiveness of sins, cleansed us from all unrighteousness, rose again on the third day because that is what was all about, the destiny of humanity. But it didn't stop there. He then desired for the fullness of all of God to fall on the people of God. Man, it is not just about what we can suffer and endure. There is a place for that. But there is an endowment from on high where he desires for you and I to be his witnesses. Yesterday afternoon, leadership and our life group leaders met together to discuss our why, why we exist as a church. And what came about was, what moved our hearts is when the Holy Spirit showed up and changed lives forever. It was when the darkest of dark times came where Jesus came and reached in through somebody else, and the gift of family allowed the the movement of God and and the Spirit of God to bring life and wholeness to that dark situation. And quite frankly, that's about what God desires to do in and through us, in building us as being burning ones. We are to burn with the Holy Spirit, That we would in fact be his hands and feet and be his witnesses of the fullness of God in this area and to the surrounding province and country. We live in such a small world where God is moving by his Spirit, things are happening, they are happening for the good. What you are facing is really the sign of the big dog trying to bark and distract you from what God does really is desiring to enable you to conquer. Did you hear me? The big dog is barking to try to lie, cover up what God desires for you to conquer. And His peace that passes all understanding provides the way, the means to make that take place.